Welcome to the Radically Christian Bible Study Podcast. I'm Travis Pauley, and here we have one goal, learn to love like Jesus. I hope you enjoy this study. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Bible Study Podcast. Wes? Good to be back with you, Travis. It's good to be back with you. We're, um, we're talking about doing something a little different today. Yeah, I'm and super excited. Me too. We're going to do something that I know is very dear near and dear to your heart, which yes. is reading it a is book. It is my soapbox. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I literally wrote a book on it because I'm so passionate about it that the best way to read scripture is to, the best way to study scripture is to start with a read through yeah. to begin at the beginning and read all the way to the end in one sitting, if possible. Um, when I did that um, for the book that I wrote, um, I didn't always do it in one sitting technically, but it was always in one day, one right. 24-hour period of time. And the best way, and you're a filmmaker, you you studied filmmaking, you've done filmmaking, and so you understand, I think, that that's the way a film typically, depending on the film, I guess, I guess there could be like a huge long documentary that isn't right. necessarily meant to be taken in in one sitting. But yeah. but for the most part, I mean, that's how the director or the writer, or the producer, or whatever, intended yeah. for it to be viewed is, is they didn't intend for you to do it in 10 minute blocks. They intended for you to sit down and, and yeah. watch it as one narrative. That's my soapbox that I get on with people when I watch movies. But I think in, in general, like the... Oh, so it bothers you when people want to pause it and come back to it later. Oh, for any reason. Yes, yeah. I agree. Yeah. yeah. But I think that's like the idea of just taking in all the information like it's yeah. it's it's very tempting i think especially in the sh- you know the short attention span culture we live in today that it's like you know we want to we want to just take the we just want to take the 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 nugget and then run with it yes and i yes. think the w- when it comes to the bible it's like the fact that it's broken into verses is helpful for reference but yeah it's, I mean, the more I thought about it, the more I've talked to you about this topic of reading, you know, really getting the context right and yeah. understanding where, how this was supposed to be taken in by the audience. And the more I've thought about that, it's like, that's probably a big reason why I think Christianity is easily reduced to something that it's not. Yes. Yes. Be- because yeah, you can take out a few verses. Oh, absolutely. And create a pretty worldly, even materialistic uh, mindset when it comes to approaching Christianity. And the only way I think you probably get out of that, right, is is taking things a book at a time. Yeah. Taking things in their yes. in their intended form. Yeah, absolutely. I I have never done what we're about to do and read through an entire book and not seen something new. Mm-hmm. My eyes are always open, but I'm always amazed at the people that have never experienced that mm-hmm. that will come up to me afterwards and say, "I never heard it that way. I never, you know, I've read that verse, whatever verse, I've read this verse my whole life, but I've never seen it in the context of the whole thing. It's, it's similar to, you know, to go back to the movie analogy, Mm -hmm. it's similar to watching the trailer of a movie. In a trailer, they take all of these scenes and they, they sort of, you know, take them out of their context Mm -hmm. and then they string them together into a provocative trailer that makes you want to to view the film. But a lot of times the impression you get about the 
a particular scene isn't actually how it fits into the real story right. in the movie. They took it out of context and they, they put it together and you think, I don't know, does that mean that this is going to happen or that this other thing is going to happen? And they mm. want you, you know, they're trying to tease the movie. Right. But that's, that's how we do with scripture. And there are scenes right. of the Bible that some people have never seen in the actual context of the story. They've mm-hmm. only seen it as a standalone scene. And it's like, well, that scene doesn't really mean, it doesn't really mean what you're trying to make it mean. Yeah. Because, and, and, and it wouldn't, I wouldn't even have to explain it to you. I wouldn't even have to, you know, do this exegetical, you know, jump through these hoops right. in order to explain it. You would see it if you, if you just heard the letter from the beginning to the end. Right. And these, like, we're going to read through Philippians, and this is a letter that you don't. Nobody has ever in the history of ever taken a letter and said, you know, let's start in the middle. Right. <laughs> let's right. start at the end. You know, that's not how you read a letter, especially the first yeah. time. You you read it, and, and then if you're going to read it again, you read it again, and you right. might zoom in on a particular sure. sentence but you only look at that sentence in light of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And where I've seen this m- most play out, I think it plays out in two ways. The way we tend to study the Bible, as you said, focusing on verses. One is in devotional type studies. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of people, and I, it makes me cringe to even talk about this because I don't, I don't want to discourage people from reading their Bibles. Oh. And I don't want to you know, make people feel bad for the way they've been reading their Bibles. It's not that it's bad. It's just that there's something that might be better. Yeah. And so the way we, a lot of us grew up reading the Bible is we just get it out and we read it until something strikes our fancy and we highlight it. We may be copied in our prayer journal and then we just kind of focus on that verse. It's kind mm-hmm. of like I always say it's like a grab bag, you know, we're just like digging through until we find one we like, and then we pick that out and we hold on to that. That's my life verse, or that's my verse for the day or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it gives us hope and inspiration, but it might not mean exactly what we're trying to make it mean because we're not seeing as as a part of this, this whole. So part of the way we go wrong is in our like devotional style readings. But I think another way this plays out and I, that I've seen a lot is in Bible classes. I've known of churches that they study a particular book at a turtle's pace, mm-hmm. and they see themselves as doing a deep dive on each verse. Yes, and so they'll they'll be reading through Philippians for a year, and they'll spend an entire class period talking about one verse. Well, it's been six months since they started the letter, and they forgot what that was about. Right. And so they get to you know chapter two and verse seven, and they just hanging out there for a whole week, and it's been six weeks since they were at chapter two and verse one. Yeah. And so they're 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 exegeting this verse, yeah, not in light of the whole book, yeah, or. Paul's entire works or the New Testament or the entire canon of scripture they're exegeting it in light of what's going on in their week what's going on in their world that week right and that's just really dangerous and so I've seen that so many times I've especially traveling around to different congregations I'll sit in yeah. on a Bible class and again I don't want to be critical right. but but you'll just hear them talk about you know, chapter two and verse seven, it's like, well, that's not what Paul's talking about. But, you know, it's been so long since you started the book that you've probably forgotten. That was one time in high school we did, I kid you not, three months on Romans chapter one. Oh, man. So 
in a way, I remember Romans one pretty well. Yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, I think I think something that like, because obviously as a high school kid, that was incredibly frustrating for its own reasons. But I think as I've thought about that, as I've experienced things like that, where you just slowly, the, the, and again, like you said, the idea being we're going to go verse by verse, we're going to get something out of every yeah. ounce, every you know, every part of this this chapter, this book, and I think. You know, you just said something like, "If you're, you're, if you do it like that, you're, the temptation is to apply it." You know, it, it's like, "Well, what does this? How what does this have to do with my yeah. week?" Yeah, super easy to do. Yeah, but I think that's that's where it's like, I start asking myself the question: Okay, do I want scripture as a band aid, mm-hmm. or do I want? You know, am I just trying to get to this quick destination of? Yeah. Okay, I've got it now. Yeah, I've got my. I've got my tools and I'll come back to this yeah. when I need more tools again. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, is it that or is it, no, I'm, I, I want to get, it's, it's, is it, is it about the destination or is it about the path? Is yeah. it about, I want to be transformed. Yeah. I want to, you know, sit with this and put myself in the shoes of the people who heard it. I yeah. want to put myself in the shoes of the people who wrote it. Yeah. And, and again, just try doing everything we can to get those, different angles yeah. of the story yeah. and you just can't you can't really get that yeah. accurately right if you don't sit with it yeah as yeah. a whole and again and it, you're exactly right and you you just can't shortcut that process and right. and I don't want to I don't want to come across like I'm saying that we shouldn't do a deep dive on a particular verse mm-hmm. or on a particular word. I mean, those sort of zooming in on the particulars that's yeah. incredibly important and yeah. incredibly helpful, but it's only helpful in light of the whole. Right. It only has meaning in light of the whole. It, it's just like yeah. a, any sentence. <laughs> if I speak a sentence, any word within that sentence only has meaning within the sentence that I spoke. Yeah. I mean, that word, if you just take it out of the context of the sentence, it could mean all kinds of all different kinds of things, things yeah. but it, it has meaning within the context. Context sure. shapes its meaning. It always does. And so, yes, it's good to do a deep dive on that word, but that word only means what it means based on the rest of the sentence, based on the rest of the paragraph, based on the rest of the letter, based on the entirety of Scripture. And so it all has to be taken within that greater context. Right. Yeah, I think I was just thinking of... I remember hearing a study on Hebrews where that was the that was the intention of the study was we're going to take specifically the Hall of Faith sure. portions and go through those really one verse at a time. Yeah, yeah. And I, I remember thinking like, well, that's great because like if, you know, I mean, you can almost read the heading of that chapter and go, okay, I kind of understand where we're at. Yeah. Even if, even if you've never heard Hebrews before, sure. but certainly if you have in a greater context, then that's, I, that could be extremely helpful. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And and so it's, it's not bad or wrong right. to spend three months in Romans 1 or whatever, <laughs> so long as you're always zooming out and zooming mm. back in. And, and like that's that. a, a really good thing to do anytime we study Scripture is to, to zoom in on a verse and mm-hmm. say, okay, here's what is being said, and then zoom back out and remi- rem- remember the context of what we're talking about. So whenever I'm teaching through a book, week by week by week, when I did Romans, um, I know that people got really tired of me recapping every mm. week, but 
you have to because right. this you're studying through a letter. And so, yeah, if we're not going to read the whole letter every week, and I would often tell them, you like this better than you would me reading through the whole letter every week. Right. But really, that would be the best way to do it. Let's read through the whole letter every week, and then we'll talk about chapter one. Yeah. And we'll read through it again, talk about chapter two. We'll read through it again, talk yeah. about chapter three. But you know, for the sake of time, we just, you know, that's difficult, but we have to keep the entire context in mind because I, I've seen it happen so many times. People will talk about, what do you think this verse means? And they'll talk about this verse, and I'm pretty sure it means this. And well, no, I think it means this. And they'll have all this long, you know, philosophical discussion about what this verse means. And it's like the next verse tells you, the mm-hmm. next verse explains to you. And in fact, it it rebukes most of what y'all just got through saying <laughs> because most of y'all are wrong because you didn't read the next verse. It'll yeah. tell you what it's about. A lot of times that happens with Jesus' parables. We just finished mm. the series on the parables. And the context, it tells you what it's about. Right. And and Matthew explains, this is what's going on, or Luke explains, this is the context. And yet we try to you know pull it out of its context. And if we had just read the verse ahead of it or the yeah. verse that that follows it, we would know what it was about, but yeah. you know, we we just we, we have to retrain ourselves mm-hmm. um, to, as the book title says, go beyond beyond the verse. You know, we have to <laughs> like look that. at the whole book. So, okay, are we ready? I'm ready to jump right in. I I love this, and I I promise that I promise that it will seem to some people like I can't believe Wes and Travis are spending <laughs> their podcast time reading to me. I could read to myself. Well, <laughs> that's good. Do that, but. Uh, there's also something about reading aloud yeah. and reminding ourselves that this is how the letter was first experienced. And not just first experienced, but experienced for many generations. Mm. Many Christians for in many periods of time were illiterate. I mean, not everybody has the privilege of being able to read. N- not to mention the fact that it's a very recent development that every Christian has their own copy of the scriptures. That's yeah. a very recent de- development. Before the printing press, you know, it was very rare yeah. that 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 someone would have written material, and and the fact that we all have this is a great privilege. But if we're going to experience it the way that most Christians throughout history over the last 2,000 years experienced these letters. Mm -hmm. It was that they gathered together on the first day of the week, they broke bread, they drank the cup together, and they sang songs, and then they read the scriptures aloud, and they taught from them, um, just as we do today. But but we don't focus on this very often. So Mm -hmm. it's very rare that we just sit back and let somebody read to us a whole letter of, of, of the apostles. So... I, I think it's a, a privilege to be able to participate in that. So I'm going to start with chapter one, and then we'll we'll take turns going back and forth. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus, and it is my prayer 
that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel— so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some, indeed, preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, that this will turn out for my deliverance as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life Be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ— you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, do nothing from selfish, selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. 
Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father as he, uh, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me, and I trust in the Lord that surely I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all, and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill near to death, but God has mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive in him the Lord with all joy, and honor and such men, and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Finally, brother, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I don't consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. 
for many of whom I've often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Yodia and entreat Synthaki to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Mm. That's so good. Mm. I love it. I love it. And every time I do that, Travis, I, I think, why don't I do that more often? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like I was every, thinking that. Every time I do it, and I and I know it, and I it's my soapbox, and I don't do it nearly enough. And yeah. especially to, I, I enjoy reading it, but mm-hmm. I also enjoy hearing you read it. I enjoy, yeah. I enjoy that back and forth. I enjoy listening to it. I enjoy hearing it. And and it's different for some reason for me, and I don't know how it is for the podcast listeners, Um it's different for me to read it out loud or to hear somebody I know read it out loud than it is mm. to listen to an audio Bible. Yeah. Um, I don't know why that is necessarily. Um, maybe it's, again, I mean, and there's nothing wrong with that. And maybe yeah. maybe the podcast listeners feel the exact same way. They're like, it's like listening to an audio Bible. Um, you know, only we're not professional voiceover artists. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I, I had to clear my throat way <laughs> we're, too we're, many we're times. Not, we're not James Earl Jones, but... Um, <laughs> 
But but I think there's something to knowing someone yeah. and hearing them read it. I, I don't know. It's just yeah. it's so multi-layered to me. But I do want to talk about if there was anything that stood out to you as as you read through that, anything that, that you thought, wow, that really puts puts that verse or that idea yeah. or just the the feeling and the spirit of the whole book. Well, I think I know one thing that happened. It's, it's like something I could have predicted would happen, and it still surprised me either way, um, was, you know, I read chapter four, and I was I would kind of get lost in it, and I wouldn't I would go oh I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me yeah. I go oh that's where that is yeah you know yeah. because I'm hearing it you know I'm hearing it in the context yeah. I'm hearing it and I'm not you know I remember the first time I got up and spoke in church was to read uh, you know just do a scripture reading on a Sunday night and I read four Philippians four verse I think verses four through like nine or something yeah. the pretty common section and. So that, that, that section's pretty stuck in my mind. But then when I read it, when he's talking about, you know, first you read this little, uh, you know, uh, about the ladies at the church and, 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 you know, he's, he's begging the Philippians, you know, help these women. And, Mm -hmm. and then on top of that, he says, and and then he comes to the part that I know. And so that was, that kept getting me as, as you read, as, you know, Philippians uh, 314 is a big one and you, you read that and it was but in the context of Paul being very vulnerable about mm-hmm. his struggles yeah about how yeah I've given up a lot mm-hmm. but I'm able to I'm able to count it as loss yeah like and in the spirit of that he says I press on toward the goal of the calling in Christ Jesus and yeah. so again it's just just read just read it I think that was the biggest thing for me just yeah. having those verses that I know sort of jump up and go oh yeah. I, I, I always forget where they're at. Yes. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Even if you know the number, like yeah. the chapter and verse, but to know the context. In fact, that reminds me of something. I was teaching a college class uh, a few years ago, and, and I asked the students if they had any spiritual goals. And one of the young ladies, and I'll never forget, I always say I'll never forget this, I'll probably forget this, but <laughs> um, but it made a, a huge impression on me. She said that her spiritual goal was to memorize the context. And I thought, that's an interesting, Whoa. like she didn't say, I want to memorize more verses. She right. said, I want to memorize the context. I want to, yeah. if somebody brings up a verse, if somebody says, you know, Lamentations chapter three. Yeah. I want to know the context. What's Lamentations about? Yeah. You know, and not just know a verse and be able to quote a verse. I want to know the context. And I think that's far more important. That's my bias. But I, I think that there's a lot of people that can rattle off, mm-hmm. you know, like a machine gun, a bunch of verses. But unless we understand the context, mm-hmm. um, it, it's it's really you know it goes back to everything we were just saying and and Philippians four thirteen is a great example of that. Uh, in fact, I have a series I'm going to work on for next year uh, about twisted scriptures, and that's one of them. That's one yeah. of the verses that we pull out of context. You know, and as you were talking, it it occurred to me that so much of what Paul is saying here is not about our circumstances changing, right? But about gaining contentment. And joy, yeah. even in the worst of circumstances. I yeah. mean, he's writing this letter of joy, this epistle of joy from prison. And he's saying, I love the fact that I get to share in the sufferings of Jesus. Yeah, <sighs> That's a perspective we have almost entirely lost in the Western, modern Western church, that 
sharing in the sufferings of Jesus ought to be something in which we rejoice. Yeah. And and our our prayer, and I was thinking about Philippians 4, and I was thinking about what he says in the beginning as you were reading, and he, he tells them to, um, you know, if they have anxiety or, or whatever, to, you know, to cast that on the Lord, and he cares for them. Um, he says, uh, chapter 4, it's about verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And when we think about that verse, we often think God will change my circumstances. Mm. God will fix this problem. You know, if, if I'm anxious about something, then I'm going to let my request be made known to God, fix this, change this. But it's not so much about the circumstance change. It's about our our reaction to the circumstance. Right. It's about our, our attitude towards it. Because he says in verse 7, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's the promise. The promise isn't that when I'm in a difficult circumstance that God will change my circumstance if I'll just ask him. Yeah. The promise is that the peace of God will guard our hearts in Christ Jesus. That's the promise. Yeah. And, and Paul goes on to talk about, I've learned. I've learned that there's going to be periods of my life where I'm hungry. There's right. periods of my life where I'm going to be full. There's periods of my life where I'm going to have plenty. And there's going to be times in my life where I'm in need. But I've learned to be content. Why? Because I've learned to put my faith in Jesus, to rejoice in him, that Christ will give me the strength to endure this. But unfortunately, when we quote that passage, so many times we say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What we mean is, Jesus is going to give me the strength to change my circumstance. Yeah. Jesus is going to ch- give me the strength to get out of this situation. And it's like, that that isn't what Paul's saying, because he's not saying Jesus is going to empower you to throw off the shackles of your imprisonment or to, right. you know, whatever. That's not what he's saying. He's saying Jesus is going to empower you to have joy and peace and to endure the sufferings yeah. of the present moment. I think that's like, I remember as a kid, you know, being very comforted by those verses. Sure. But then I remember a thing would come up a lot in my own, like I would ask this question a lot, and I've heard a lot of other people ask this question. We want to talk about what is that peace of God which surpasses all understanding? It's like, well, I don't know. It surpasses all understanding. Um, And I think the reason for that, I think, you know, something I've started to learn in my prayer life is, you know, less just coming with the, okay, I've got a list. Let me get this out, you yeah. know, less, less doing that and more. And which is why for me, it's very important that I take time and have the space where I can pray out loud mm-hmm. because it's, I'm, I need to be a captive audience and I need to, as painful as it can be sometimes, you got, got to be vulnerable with mm-hmm. the Lord. Mm-hmm. And in that there's not, I mean, there's not something I think that's, you know, there's not some magic about that. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, I think in a lot of ways it is like therapy. Mm-hmm. It's painful. Mm-hmm. It's not fun to talk about and to really mine yourself mm-hmm. and go, this is, you know, this is what I'm struggling with. And, mm-hmm. and, and sometimes I'll say things and it's just, and maybe it's just cause I keep praying long, long enough. I'll start saying things and that's what I've come to appreciate as being maybe part of that peace of God is just tell me you need mm-hmm. to talk to me mm-hmm. and it just in talking to me, mm-hmm. 
it's not gonna it's not just gonna solve everything sometimes it does mm-hmm. i think sometimes i just go oh well okay i'm being i'm being dumb and yeah. i just saying it out loud made me yeah. realize that but sometimes and i most of the time i find it's it's just having the peace that yeah. i've i've let god know yeah and like that's that's hard work like yeah. that that's that's hard work as christians yeah. to to choose to be vulnerable to mm-hmm. be able to go before god and mm-hmm. say i'm i'm struggling i yeah. i don't know what to do here yeah Absolutely. Yeah, it it really is. And you know, and and another thing just to change gears just slightly is the is the flip side of of what Paul is saying here too that we don't often think about in chapter 4 and that is that that there's a secret. He says there's a secret to facing plenty mm-hmm. and hunger. And he says he's learned that secret. We don't often focus on the secret of facing plenty. We're like there's no secret to that. That's easy, right? right? It's easy to be comfortable. And that's not true. It is difficult to be comfortable. And and I've I've made a conscious decision that I'm not going to call things like comfort, freedom, ease, riches, wealth, those kind of things, I'm not gonna call them blessings. Mm-hmm. And some people might say, ah, Wes, you know, shake their fist at me. That's okay. You can shake your fist at me if you want. Um they are they are definitely things I enjoy. Mm-hmm. They are definitely things I appreciate, yeah. Um, but they're challenges, um, sure. and they, they they do. And and often we don't recognize the inherent danger of having plenty. Yeah. Um, Paul tells uh, Tim- Timothy or Titus. I always forget which one. Um, but he he says that preachers are to instruct those who are rich in this present age not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but Mm. on God, who richly supplies us with everything to enjoy. So riches are to be enjoyed. They're to be shared. We're to be generous with them, but we're also to not set our hopes on them. And that's one of the, the challenges that we have when we have freedom and we have comfort and we have wealth and we have all of these luxuries of life. They are luxuries, but they're... They're not blessings in the sense that we shouldn't look at those things and say, this is the blessed life. For mm. Paul, the blessed life is the one that rejoices in the Lord. That's the blessed life, even in hunger, even in prison, even in whatever the circumstance, and even in plenty. When we have luxuries, we cannot, we cannot put our hope in those luxuries. We cannot rejoice in our luxuries. Yet that's what we tend to do when somebody says, well, you know, count your blessings. Look at all the wonderful things you have. It's like, well, wait a second. All of those things are temporary and transient. And if you recognize that and you recognize all of these things could be gone in a moment, then you're you're absolutely and almost instantaneously filled with anxiety and fear. And we're, we're dealing with that across the board, you know, on so many different levels right now as a culture mm. where people are afraid of losing what they have, afraid of losing stuff, afraid of losing health, afraid of losing liberty, afraid of losing freedom, whatever it is. And that fear of losing things makes us anxious and afraid. Mm. And Paul says, I've learned the secret of having plenty and I've learned the secret of being in want. And the secret is... Christ strengthens us. He gives us that peace if we rejoice in him, if we put our hope in him. And that's that's what we're we're often so consumed with changing our circumstances. 
when Paul wants to encourage us, regardless of our circumstances, it's not wrong to to have luxury, to have plenty. Paul's had plenty of moments in his life where he had plenty, but he's also had moments of his life where he's been in in in, in need. But he says, regardless, you you've got to rejoice in the Lord. You've yeah. got to put your hope in the Lord. You've got to focus on that. Otherwise, you are filled with all of this anxiety about how am I going to get the things that I need, or what if I lose these things that I have. You know, Paul talks about, not in Philippians, but he talks about his thorn in the flesh. And in Philippians, he did one of the things I thought of in, in reference to that was when he talks about, I believe in chapter one, you were reading about those who preach in, out of selfish, yeah, selfish ambition yeah. and deceit. Um, and he says, you know, I'm, you know, but Christ is still being preached. Yeah, you know, he, yeah. he sort of recognizes like, but there's still a good thing happening. Yeah, like, yeah. do they have their vanity? Yes. Yeah. And that's that's one I struggle with, and yeah. I feel like a lot of us probably do, because well, selfish ambition is, yeah. is pretty easy to have. And right. um and how do you how do you start weeding that out while still serving, you know? Yeah. Um I, I think is a constant question. But it reminded me as we went through like and and from what you were saying just now, Paul is recognizing that we all are going to have different struggles. Mm-hmm. And and he takes time in, in chapter three to sort of condemn people that are, they've gone way, yeah. they, they were serving enemies us, the and now yeah. they're enemies, and yeah. their God is their belly, and their end yeah. is their destruction. And, mm-hmm. and, and I thought, so, you know, th- there's a time and a place to recognize this person's out of it, you know. And then there's also a time to recognize that's their struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they have a struggle, yeah. and and maybe it's it's probably both. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's a, plenty of times where it's both. And yeah. and if we can recognize that about other people, that mm-hmm. we're all going to have our own mm-hmm. struggles. You know, you, you mentioned in a Bible study recently about, um, you know, we we all like fire and brimstone preaching if it's about somebody else's sin. Absolutely, yeah. And. But I, I think, you know, okay, so if we can take a step back from that tendency and say, okay, I understand that people are going to, some people are going to have different struggles than me. Mm-hmm. Also understanding you're a very complex individual yourself. Mm-hmm. You're going to have different struggles mm-hmm. now and then, you know, in having need, you're mm-hmm. going to have struggles. In having plenty, you're yeah. going to have struggles. Yeah. And yeah. recognizing that, again, that I think that idea of just, is, it's, it's, it's it's tempting to think in our in our heads to sort of have this fantasy we never maybe clearly defined that there's a destination in life in mm-hmm. this life that is going to feel so good and so I've figured it out I've solved everything and it's like no I think we we do sort of trade struggles mm-hmm. for something else you know yeah. you you've, yeah. you and I think that sanctification process yeah, yeah and that's I, I Paul obviously saw that in himself as a way that he's being trained to be better at serving Christ. Yeah. He says, I'm not there yet. I'm still striving. I I haven't arrived yet. I'm still, I'm still pressing on towards the goal. That was definitely something I appreciated this time reading that it's like he, Paul's being very vulnerable in this letter. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many great points that you pointed out. And, and to go back to your tying in chapter one and chapter three, I think that's really, that's really apt um, because I think I think maybe those are the same people that he's mm. saying that these enemies of the cross they're preaching Jesus but they're they're doing it in 
you know, I, I don't know how he means that they're they're preaching Jesus right. in order to cause Paul pain. Maybe they're just saying, yeah, this this Paul guy over here, he's saying all of these things. He says Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah. He's saying all of these things, and maybe they're just saying all of this in mm. order to say this troublemaker over here. And Paul oh, just shrugs yeah. his shoulders and says. You're still talking about Jesus, right? Any you know, good pub, any publicity is good. good publicity. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and I like and, that. and I and I appreciate the fact that he says, you know what? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lose sleep over these guys that are proclaiming Jesus in order to cause me problems because Jesus is still being proclaimed. Jesus right. still wins, and that 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 I think back to your earlier point about the peace of Christ. If we could recognize that, that you know what? Yeah, there's. I'm still struggling. I haven't. I haven't arrived. Nobody else has arrived. We're all trying to together work out our salvation to become who Jesus is calling us to be. And there are some people in the world that are just downright wicked. They're enemies of the cross. They're doing things that are evil and bad. But guess what? Jesus still wins. And I'm not going to worry because I already know the end of the story. I already know how this is going to turn out. And if we if we were to put on that mentality. Paul's like, you know what? Yeah, they put me in prison. And guess what? Now the entire imperial guard knows about Jesus. And yeah, there's people out there that are proclaiming Jesus in such a way as to inflict pain on me. Guess what? They're still talking about Jesus. Jesus is winning. People are hearing about Jesus. That's all that matters to me. In fact, if they cause me suffering, great. I get to suffer with Jesus. And so just that mentality that says whatever the circumstance Jesus is winning, and he's using this circumstance to shape me. He's using this circumstance to advance the gospel. And as long as it is refining me and sanctifying me, as long as it's advancing the gospel, it's a win. Yeah. And if we would learn to put on that mentality that says, because in our anxiety and in our worry that things might not turn out for the best, we end up we end up exacerbating the problem. And I see that so very often that Christians are participating in the problem by worrying about the the outcome. Yeah. And, and, and yes, we, we need to be concerned. We need to be doing things. But what is it that we need to be doing? Well, you know, Philippians chapter 2, put on the mind of Jesus, consider others more significant than yourselves. I mean, it always comes back to the same basic things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself, regardless of the circumstances. And in Jesus, he's going to use whatever happens to advance the gospel and to sanctify and shape us. I really hope you enjoyed this Bible study, and I hope you'll subscribe to hear future episodes of the podcast. A big thank you to Travis Pauly, as well as our McDermott Road Church family for helping to make this podcast possible. And a special thanks to all of you for listening. We love you, God loves you, and we hope you have a wonderful day.